1: This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Well, you know, maybe we ought to be concerned about our own. Let's get Oren Amitay in here. He's a registered psychologist and media commentator. Oren, always a pleasure. Good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon, John.
1: What do you make of these uh, individuals? I guess, you know, they're incarcerated in Cam uh, I'm not familiar with the lay of the land, but uh, are they free to come and go? Uh, anybody monitoring their whereabouts? How does something like this happen?
0: Well, it depends on how far they've gotten in the uh, treatment. So at first, if they are a threat to, uh, to the public, they are usually housed, from what I know, back at the uh, other CAMH building uh, in a secure facility. Uh, if they show that they're complying with medication, they show insight into what happened, uh, they are not acting out, um, and, and they don't seem like a, a viable risk, they could be um, released either uh, like temporarily, it could be a few hours, it could be a day pass, either uh, under supervision or not. Uh, And they would usually have to work toward that. They'd have to earn it.
1: Well, how confident are you as a clinical psychologist that uh, there is a proper assessment made of these individuals? I mean, the uh, Busby header back in the day who since changed his name, you might remember him. Right,
0: Vince Lee.
1: Vince Lee right there uh, just west of Winnipeg, or towards Brandon, I guess, Within a few short years of this heinous crime, uh, there was an assessment that said he can be uh, reintegrated into society, and some of us were appalled. Were we right to be, or what are we missing here?
0: From what I know about that case, and I've been following it since the beginning, um, he had a psychotic break. He had, I believe, schizophrenia, and there was it was clear that he was not criminally responsible for his behaviors and i didn't know of any history i you know i, I read of no history to show that he had a violent temperament so with the medication with the insight and with compliance with that medication he would not necessarily be a danger to society however and i believe you and i may have spoken about this on the day that he was released he was released with no requirements for follow-up not checking in with anybody, and most importantly, not required to continue with his medication. We'll assume that he's taking it, but he was not required to do that as part of his release. He was released with no conditions, and that's the one part I could not understand at all.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's suggesting an honor system on the part of somebody who, uh, you know, committed a violent and heinous act just a matter of a few years prior you know, in this instance of the individual who's uh, missing and has been since July third, Jebin Kong, uh, I have to assume he was on medication, and if he's away from the facility, uh, we have to also assume he's not taking his meds.
0: Exactly, and I don't know much about his case beyond what's being uh, put in the newspapers. Uh, so I don't know whether he, you know, he had had a psychotic break himself. That's not the only reason somebody would not be uh, not criminally responsible. Sorry, they'd be they could have a psychotic break. But it might not necessarily be a long term psychiatric condition like schizophrenia. There could have been something else going on um, that uh, led to the break. but beyond that, he may have himself a violent history and that is not attributable to mental illness. And if that's the case, um, you know why he would get that kind of you know easy release, so to speak, uh, is questionable. Why could he you know roam the grounds around neighborhoods without supervision? How could he get away so easily? That is the thing that has to be the question that has to be answered.
1: When you say violent history, not attributable to mental illness, I mean, in all cases, is that a general statement or in this particular instance?
0: I'm saying in this case, um, you know, again, with Vince Lee, we don't know of any violence beyond that uh, what happened when he lost touch with reality. Whereas other individuals, uh, many that I've assessed, they might have what we call a psychiatric illness, but uh, they're that's a misconduct and transgressions, uh what I would not be able to attribute to to that illness. It had to do with their personality. They may have been a victim of trauma and they might carry that trauma. It might make might make them more susceptible to acting out, but they still know what they're doing and they are still criminally responsible. Uh and that kind of person, again, if they're loose, uh that is concerning because they have a track record.
1: So if somebody has a psychotic break, could we ever consider uh, their treatment to having cured them?
0: You can't cure it, but you could um, manage it. And with a psychotic break, if it's, if it's a short-term temporary um, experience that could be attributable, for example, to drugs, to excessive stress, to depression, uh, th- then we could say that there's a low risk for that recurring. But if it's a long-term condition like schizophrenia, um, then that's something that they're going to be having to manage lifelong.
1: All right, and so it's appropriate for these individuals to be incarcerated in a facility such as Cam H on Queen West at Ossington, then,
0: if they are not able to manage on their own. If they show good compliance, again, good insight. If they realize that what they, what what can happen if they don't take their medication and don't uh, continue with therapy, uh, if you know, if they can show that they understand all that, then I think they could be a potential candidate. But you can't just let them out, for, you know. Uh, randomly. You have to screen them. You have to work with them. You have to give them uh, increasing access to the public to make sure that the stress of reintegration, for example, doesn't trigger another episode.
1: Again, with Orin Amate, registered psychologist and media commentator. I want to pivot to another interesting study that's just come out from uh, the Journal of the American Medic- Medical Association Pediatrics yesterday, and uh, it was A survey of 3,800 Montreal-area teens taken over four years starting in grade 7 had found that uh, increases in social media use and television viewing are linked to symptoms of depression. Uh, Not video gaming per se, there's a distinction there, but social media and television viewing. Uh, What do you make of this?
0: Well, it's mostly the uh, social media that I'd be most concerned about. Uh, The difference between, let's say, social media or television viewing and gaming is that the former is entirely passive or almost entirely passive whereas the latter can be very active it can be social so a lot of uh, families that i work with you know, their kids the only or even adults you know their only interactions seem to be online and not that i would advocate for that type of a social life but at least they are in contact with people. And it's not just that they're talking smack to each other uh while playing, you know, some some game, uh, but it's rather that they are talking, they engage, they they have lives or sorry, relationships with them, virtual relationships outside of the game. And um so that kind of keeps them grounded in reality, so to speak. Whereas with social media, TV as well, but more so social media People are passively being exposed to a fantasy, which is ironic since video games are fantasy, but, um, but this fantasy is something that they mistakenly believe is reality. And they believe that they are not doing as well as everybody else. They are not living the glorious life of everyone, uh, supposedly everyone that they see. They don't have the perfect body. They don't have the right haircut, et cetera. And they are being shamed uh, either directly or made to feel um, uh, inferior, uh, indirectly, by uh, viewing all these people who supposedly have everything that they wish they could have. And that that's what we call upward social comparison. You compare yourself to others who are doing better than yourself. And we know that that process can contribute to depression, stress, anxiety, hopelessness.
1: Well, the way things are going on the trend line about uh, the use of social media, increasingly so uh, by young people primarily, this doesn't argue well going forward, does it?
0: Not at all. I've been predicting this for many years. I said it was only going to get worse, um, and unfortunately, it really has. And I'm not a fearmonger. And at first, I said, "Look, let's wait to see. Uh, you know, what the, what the data say." And was it that people who were mentally not doing so well, or psychologically, emotionally not doing so well, were they more likely to go to social media and find refuge in it, or is social media exposure contributing to poor mental illness, um, poor mental health? And we know it is the latter. It is the exposure now. I mean, it, it's it's a bit of both. People who are not doing so well, who don't feel that they're socially uh, capable, might find it more comfortable to go on social media. But we do know that that exposure, the, the increased exposure, truly is making people feel miserable. It's making them feel, ironically, more isolated from everyone else, because even though they might have 10,000 followers or 1,000 friends on some platform, the fact is they are not connecting with them on the profound emotional and interpersonal level that we as humans, that social animals require for our mental health.
1: So quickly, Oren, in closing, what would you suggest by way of a solution to this?
0: Uh, I would suggest parents um, a parents talking with the children monitoring trying to you know to see how they are doing make, looking for changes in their demeanor and behaviors to see if something's going on and b we need more education on this we need this from an early day an early age uh, for children to be uh, aware of what could happen and we need people who are competent in teaching this it's like it's like when gym teachers used to, used to teach sex ed that was a disaster so we need people who know what they're talking about to help young people from a young age um, be able to sort of inoculate themselves to these potential uh, harms of, of social media.
1: That's uh, a real parental responsibility there in a nutshell. Oranamate as always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: It's my pleasure, John. Thank you.
1: You got it. Oranamate, registered psychologist and media commentator.